Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word, thee which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want to preach this morning uh, from this passage and its context. And actually, uh, the context begins in chapter 1, verse 27, and it extends through chapter 2, verse 30. And so as you have opportunity this week, I pray that you would read that entire passage, the expanse of it, beginning in verse 27 of chapter 1, reading to verse 30 of chapter 2. It provides the context, uh, the contours and the corridors for the text Uh, that uh, we are preaching from. But I want to preach this morning from the subject, the God who stooped so we can stand. The God who stooped so we can stand. Uh, This is a record of Paul's letter to a church that was uh, beloved by him, a church which he formed on one of his missionary journeys, I believe the second journey, a church that was formed at Philippi. A church that was formed as a result of Paul and Silas's witness, their preaching that incurred for them a prison term. And while in prison, uh, God shook the very foundations of the prison and the jailer himself sought to be saved. Asking the question, profound question it is, what shall I do to be saved? Paul responded in that 16th chapter of Acts, the record of the founding of this church, by saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and by association your house as well. And so Acts chapter 16 records the founding of the origins of the church at Philippi. And when Paul is writing, it's interesting, this letter to the church, uh, it is the most buoyant, the most joyous of all of his letters. The word joy or its derivatives occurs in this book of the Bible, in the New Testament, more than it does in any other book of the New Testament, which is remarkable because Paul is again writing from prison. Uh, This, like Ephesians, is one of his prison letters. And he's writing from prison, encouraging the saints, who he has heard by report from Epaphroditus, a dear brother of this congregation, is having some difficulty. And primarily the difficulty is the difficulty that many congregations have, and that is the spirit of division, dissension, and disagreement. And if not addressed properly, if not addressed biblically, uh, it can tear a church up, it can tear a home up, it can destroy and decimate a marriage. And so Paul is encouraging uh, the saints at Philippi, 
having heard of reports of division and disagreement and dissension in the church. When you get uh, to uh, chapter 3, there are two members of the church who he actually calls out who are at the focal point or the pivot of this problem. And so he's writing to encourage the congregation. Now, where this text begins in chapter 1, verse 27, it's interesting because it it mentions the word stand. Paul says that I want to hear about this church and I want to hear that you are standing one or firm with oneness in the Lord. And it's remarkable that a text that begins with standing ends with stooping. Paul reminds us, as does much of the biblical record, that God's way up is down. Did you all hear what I'm saying? God's way up is down. Bill Heibel, in one of his books, he says that did not get a lot of attention, not like some of the others that he's written, like Courageous Leadership, the book he wrote called The Descent into Greatness. He says that didn't sell that well. And, uh, and perhaps one reason is, is because there is a mood and mindset in our culture that has problems with descending. Uh, we'd rather stand than stoop. <laughs> Do I have a witness here? But, but God's way up is now. Uh, the word of God says, he that humbles himself before God, the Lord will exalt. If so in God's economy, if you want to go up, you have to go down. When you think about it, there are two plot lines that fill the world with stories. The first tells of a bottom-up procession of progress, rags to riches, a pauper to magnet, scavenger to president or CEO, log cabin to the White House. In the Bible, there are stories like that. Joseph, Mary, David, even David's father questioned whether he was the one that should have been anointed. Persons who were of low esteem, who transcended their immediate situation and moved into positions of prosperity, power, and promise. But then there's another plot line in the Word of God, and it's the top-to-bottom plot line. Majesty to misery, power to poverty, sovereignty to service, or slavery. Only one person in the Word of God fulfills that plot line, and that is the one who is the subject of this text. In the living Christ, incarnate Christ, Paul said in another place that he... The one who was rich became poor for our sakes. The real message of Christmas is about a God who stooped so we could stand. There are three stoops in this text. When you read this text, particularly beginning at chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, there are three stoops. And within the three stoops, and I don't have time to do it today, I want to encourage you, and this is kind of an assignment, there are seven declensions. There are seven descents. Within the three stoops, if you walk through the text, there are seven movements that takes us from the pre-incarnate glory of Christ to his death on a cross. But within that context, there are three stoops. First of all, this text reminds us that God stooped in the majesty of his heavenly relationships. He stooped in the majesty of his heavenly relationships. And by the way, the word stoop, the dictionary defines it as the lowering of oneself. To bend forward, to descend or condescend, to be humble or to be subject to. And when he stooped, he stooped in the majesty of his heavenly relationships. Verse 6 of the text we read together says, Who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery but to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. You see, while the humanity of Jesus Christ was born in a stable in Bethlehem, and we celebrate that on Christmas morning around the world in the Christian community, Jesus Christ always existed. Put in the margins of your notes, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, in the beginning. In the beginning, literally in the Greek, it's in a beginning which was not a beginning, a beginning that cannot be chronicled by time, a beginning that cannot be encapsulated by a clock. In a beginning which was not a beginning, the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And it was that Word that brought everything that is into existence, all things. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus existed before his humanity was born. He thought it not rival to be equal with God. But the primary interpretation is he didn't have to take it. He didn't have to fight to get it. He didn't have to fight to keep it. It was his. In a beginning, there was not a beginning. In our came, that's the Greek. In our came. In a beginning, which was not a beginning, there was Father, there was Son, and there was Holy Ghost. And that's why I told you last week, Isaiah had it right. Unto us, a son is given. The son has always been there. But a child is born. He didn't have to fight for the majesty. You know, in the high priestly prayer, really, the Lord's Prayer in John 17, Sometimes people confuse the model prayer with the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, that's the model prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17, the high priestly prayer. He starts out and says, the glory, the glory I had with you in the beginning. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. And they have struggle. Expositors and theologians, what, what does that mean? Did he cease becoming God? He suspended without doing a class on the doctrine of kenosis because the word sounds like our word canoe. Without doing a class on that, he suspended the independent use of his divine power in order to complete a divine mission. When the devil comes, he knows he's still got the power. He says, if you be the son of God, and in the original means, it is true you are. Devil's not hypothesizing or speculating. He says, I know you're the son of God, and since you are, turn these rocks into bread. That would have been wonder bread, wouldn't it? (laughs) It was a real temptation because Jesus could do it. If thou be the son of God, or literally, since you are, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will bear you up. That would have happened. But he stooped. Yes. Yes, he did. He he suspended. Some of us don't want to give up anything. We don't want to give up no time. 
We don't want to give up any money. We don't want to give up talent. For so many folk, this time of the year have become about getting rather than giving. Even our kids, what am I gonna get for Christmas? Wouldn't it be revolutionary if our kids came to us and said, what am I gonna give for Christmas? What am I gonna give for Christmas? See, the first stoop is about the one who stooped in the majesty of his heavenly relationships. He had it all, and he stooped. He stooped, he, he suspended the independent use of his divine power and prerogatives in order to help us to stand. And that's good news. He stooped in the majesty of his heavenly relationships. Let the man that was in Christ be in you, who although being in the form, Martha, form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation And then there's the second stoop. He stooped in the second instance in this text in the mystery of his human revelation. Many uh, interpreters of this text, and I believe it to be true, believe that because one of the ways that the early church taught doctrine was through singing, through their hymns. And that's why music can't be about the beat. A lot of stuff got beat and no meat. Rhythm and no ism. (laughs) They sang their doctrine. Many believe that Philippians 2, 6 through 11 is a hymn that was a part of the catechism of new disciples. We sang, they sang their doctrine. And that's why we have to sing these old hymns. We can't lose touch with our hymns. Because they are substantive to the teaching. I don't know how much you could improve, if any, upon amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once, we got a generation of believers that don't even know who Dr. Watts is. Dr. Watts was a great hymnist in the culture of our church tradition. Thomas Dorsey and others. Precious Lord! Take my hand. Leave me home. Let me stand. I'm tired. Who haven't been there? At the river I stand. He stooped in the mystery of his human revelation. In the text, the hymn shows that the one who was in the form of God entered history in the form of a servant. He could have came as a king. He could have come under any other guise, but he chose to come as he stooped to enter history on the lowest echelons of the social ladder. The word was fleshed out. And that which was in the form of God, all of that power and preeminence was pushed into the form of a servant. I had a seminary professor at Southern Seminary that often would say that in the incarnation, the Lord pushed the thread of his omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience through the eye of the needle of his perfect humanity. Well, he pushed his, um, he pushed his divine attributes through the eye 
by the needle of his perfect humanity. He stooped. And that's so foreign to our narcissistic, self-centered culture when it's all about me and mine. Before I get to this next uh, stoop, I want to tell you that Lord Jesus Christ had to take on humanity because you can't kill omnipresence. You can't crucify immutability. You can't crucify truth because truth stamped to the ground will rise again. But the writer of Hebrews said he was made lower than angels. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 for the suffering of death. And that's the third stoop. Not only did he stoop in the majesty of his heavenly relations, not only did he stoop in the mystery of his human revelation, but God stooped in the ministry of his humiliating redemption. He took on the form of a servant and found fashion as a man, or in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. He stooped, but because he stooped, we can stand. See, the passage that begins with standing moves to stooping, moves back to standing. Because the one that stooped, that wasn't the last of the story. He stood again. Bible says he stood so powerfully and prolifically that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And so if you're standing now and you won't stoop for Jesus, they're going to come when you will stoop. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. He stooped so we can stand. And when I applied that grill or that grid to the text and to the book of Philippians, it is awesome because in teaching this powerful example of humility and heroism to the church, Paul encouraged their standing. My brothers and sisters, there are many ways we can stand. And we can, all, we can do all of these things as God's children because he stooped. We have to stand together. That which precipitated the writing of this passage was a divisive situation. But Paul reminded the children of God at Philippi that they could stand. They could stand in the consolation that is in Christ. They could stand in the comfort of his love. They could stand in the fellowship of his spirit. And they could stand in the compassion of his mercies. That's how chapter 2 begins. But we don't just stand with or together. We also stand for. The book ends by Paul saying that the saints in, in Rome salute you. Especially those in Caesar's household. So because he stooped, no matter where you are, you can stand for something. And somebody said if you stand for, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. We need some Christians during this season to stand for something. Do a have a witness. Not only stand far, but you can stand under. When the pressure gets heavy, when the load gets great, when the road gets rough, Paul said because he stooped, you can stand. You know where he said that? He said, be careful for nothing, but in all things with thanksgiving, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. And then he goes on to say this. When you do that, the peace of God, 
the peace of God, the peace of God shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Stand with, stand far, stand under, but you can also stand on, standing on the promises of God. There's a good one in this passage. In the larger context, I can do all things through Christ. Are you standing this morning? If you want to stand, you got to stoop and say, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm standing on the promises of Christ my King. I'm standing on. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. I'm standing on the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do we have a witness here? You can stand on. But there's one other stand. As I get ready to take my seat, not just stand with, stand for, stand under, stand on, but you can stand by. Yeah, what is that in the text? Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is much better. But I have been determined by God to stay here with you. You see, when you're a child of God, you're in a standby situation. Do I have a witness? Any air travelers here know what I'm talking about. When you say standby, the flight doesn't always leave when you think it will. Do I have a witness here? I'm standing by because he stooped. I can stand by. Let me tell you what I thought about. If you are a child of the king, you've received your ticketless confirmation to travel at the throne of grace. And not just that, you check your baggage with a sky cap of forgiveness. And not only that, you've entered into the providential terminal of his purpose. And not just that, you've cleared the security of his eternal scrutiny, of his eternal scrutiny. And you boarded the plane of his perfect provision. And you've captured to the runway of his inexhaustible revelation. But if you're a child of God and you're still here, you're still standing. You're not just standing with. You're not just standing on. You're not just standing far. You are standing by because this whole world is not our home. I'm in a standby situation. I have not been cleared for departure. I can't take off till he clear me for departure. But some glad morning, some glad morning, some glad morning, when this life is over, do I have a witness? Oh yeah, if you're going through something, just hold on, hold out, stand by, stand on, stand with, stand for, do I have a witness? Is he able? Is he able?
You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.